Welcome to the 54th episode of the Baseball HQ Eyes Have It podcast. I am your host, Chris Blessing. It was a soggy week of coverage for me. Check it out, Angels and Reds prospects in AA. In fact, I will be relying on video to finish up my look at Angels AA uh, squad, which is Rocket City. Uh, that squad includes Edgar Cuero and Sam Bachman. Uh, I am publishing an article for subscribers this week on both men. If you're not a subscriber to Baseball HQ, our minors coverage has expanded greatly this year, and you should become a member, or I mean a subscriber. Over the weekend, we premiered the Inflation Deflation Report, our take on a prospect hot sheet. Um, Rob Gordon and Jeremy Deloney led those efforts. We've also added a regular column on Tuesdays, uh, and we split that between Trevor Huth, who was on the uh, earlier episode, with some live looks at some Midwest League uh, prospects. And today's guest, Doug Otto. Uh, Trevor is providing the scouting reports, obviously, side of this every other week. And then Doug is handling more of a data-centric uh, article look. Uh, Doug publishes an article tomorrow looking at the role of minor league age on major league outcomes for pitchers. Uh, I'm super excited with this particular article. Uh, it's something that I've always wanted to look at myself and have never done it. Uh, and I'm super excited right now to introduce Doug on the podcast. Doug, how are you? Doing good, Chris. Thanks for having me. Well, um, this is your first uh, kind of full-time gig, even though it's part-time at Baseball HQ. Uh, last year, you came aboard. Uh, we had a we put out a call for writers, uh, and Doug um, applied. Uh, I got to actually read his um, what do you call it? His resume and his writing sample, and it was a pretty easy choice to bring him along. Uh, we brought him along and Shelley. Uh, who does some of our call-up stuff, and we'll probably have Shelly on a future episode. I really need to, I need to write that down. Um, Shelly to a future episode. Um, she's always a good conversation, and I've heard her on many different podcasts. Well, anyway, back to Doug. Um, we got you, we got you to write a few, write a few articles at the end of the year. We also got you to write in the minor league baseball analysts. Uh, a lot of your stuff has been, loved by our subscribers uh, on the minor site you seem to get more comments you strike up more debate and that's exactly what we want to do uh at our our uh, place because uh the debate among our subscribers usually gets us you know different ideas for articles different ideas on prospect different ways of looking at things as well so uh Fill us in a little bit on your background. I know that Brent brought you aboard, uh, and I know you're a dynasty keeper player from our conversation. So share some of the things that you bring to Baseball HQ and your history uh, around the game. Yeah, so um, I have been a Baseball HQ reader for um, probably the last eight years. Um Started out just kind of following the uh, major league stuff, um, playing redraft fantasy, and um, my interest just kept going into minors more and more. And I, I started that be prospects became more of my um, focus. So I 
I've been, uh, yeah, just uh, avid baseball HQ reader and um, the opportunity to become a writer was something I didn't have to think very hard about. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm very excited to um, now be in my second season with uh, baseball HQ, first season, uh, first full season, I should say. Um, so yeah, I, um, I've been in dynasty leagues for about, I think like six years now. Um, and, uh, I kind of, I started out, um, I kind of dove into the deep end a bit. I started out with a 24, a 24 team league, um, that unfortunately folded after the first year. And then I oh. thought I might as might as well go for an even even tougher challenge and went for a, a 30 team league. So I've been kind of uh, just, yeah, playing deep dynasty for a while now. Um, and I, I just love the, every year there are new exciting players that come up and trying to be, uh, trying to follow them from the very beginning is, is, is just, uh, there's something about it that's very satisfying to me. So um, it just, it feels my interest and I'm always trying to learn more about the whole development process and you know what uh, clues you can learn from data and how to kind of combine that with traditional scouting is is always uh, I don't think it'll ever be a question that'll be fully answered so there's always room for um, exploration there so that's what keeps me interested I guess it's crazy but like I think that while it it, it constantly gives a uh, canvas, especially for teams, to experiment with uh, data and traditional scouting. I, I think that brings up a, a, a great uh, point there. That the, uh, again, like there's not really a perfect science behind it, and it's it's everybody brings something to the table, uh, and the teams that are using a good, you know, varied approach are the teams that are stocking their farm systems that are contending with young teams, uh, teams, you know, fill in the holes with their young players. I mean, you look at a team like the Astros, uh, you know, the Berea leaves and they, they, they bring in Jeremy Pena. Uh, they've got mm -hmm. an answer for somebody. They lose a few starting pitchers and then they bring in a few starting pitchers that we've never heard of. Um, but they're a team that, that relies heavily on, on models and that sort of thing and looking for trends. And so it's great to have you on the site looking for trends because uh, it's very hard for uh, myself um, and some others to you know do that when we're concentrated on different work. Um, I've learned a lot uh, from your articles already, um, different ways You're, you look at the game, you look at the same thing that I'm covering from a different light. And so that's that's a tremendous thing, and I think you're a tremendous asset. So thank you for um, applying, and I'm glad that we picked you. Yeah, thanks for the kind words and the opportunity. It's, it's been a blast so far. So for the re for the listeners, I was I keep wanting to say readers tonight. Uh, we're doing Man. something a little different uh, than our previous episodes to incorporate Doug's data driven work into uh, my live looks or. Our live looks, uh, video looks, um, you know, Doug covered a team for us last year, the Astros. Uh, he has some background with the Diamondbacks as well. So, um, you know, he does have some uh, um, some scouting uh, background. And I really felt like last year, I, I don't normally just throw compliments on people. But again, 
last year, we gave you the challenge of writing up the Astros, an organization uh, that's kind of a strange organization because it seems like a lot of sleepers come out of there, guys that we don't necessarily follow until they get up to double A. Uh, and then all of a sudden there's somebody uh, uh, to a lesser extent, like a Corey Lee, but like, uh, you know, they're the, the backup catcher that I can't think of right now. What's his name? Uh, uh why can't i think of him oh my god this uh, is, i i have him in several formats this is literally this is literally what my brain's been since covid uh, i had covid oh, this year Diaz. thank you thank Yanny you Diaz. thank you I, I i just put him up there i i could see his face i could see his stance i could mm -hmm. i could i like all this other stuff knowing that like one of the concerns this off season was they didn't speak english enough english uh english well enough to to be on the major league staff and he really improved this off season like i remembered all the background information and i couldn't remember his name uh yeah. and, and you know other guys too like uh valdez and uh javier uh were two guys that were not really uh covered um, but then all of a sudden kind of burst onto the scene. Uh, I mean, Hunter Brown kind of burst onto the scene, mm -hmm. even though it was in the minor leagues. So, like, they're a very difficult organization, but kind of a fun organization. Uh, what did you learn in that process? Yeah, it was definitely um, a more uh, standardized way of that that I've previously uh, um just approached like digging through prospects. Like there's, uh, you kind of have to go through every level with a uh, fine tooth comb and um, make sure you're really digging into the players so that you you know, uh, kind of you get a more holistic sense of um, what that player is rather than, you know, if you're just uh, like me, who's been um, for the most of my uh, time, just, learning about prospects just kind of doing it for like my own fantasy teams um, mm -hmm. I don't really have to go that in depth but um, just kind of uh, getting my feet wet with um, like trying to do actual scouting trying to see you know how a player how a pitcher um, how their stuff holds up into a game um, if there are any spots that a, a hitter is uh, vulnerable to in the strike zone um, you know, if if they're all their power is coming to the pull side, uh, are they using the field well? Are they um, are they uh, going to move down the defensive spectrum? All that kind of mm -hmm. ancillary stuff that um, just kind of helps to build out a bigger, a better picture of a prospect is um, something I definitely learned a lot about. I would say that's awesome. I I, I kind of got off script there because I came up with that question as I was thinking. <laughs> about it and introducing that we're going to kind of do this a little differently with your data-driven work and and some live looks uh tomorrow will be your third article of the year and uh mm -hmm. of course we're not going to leave we're going to leave that work uh for mm -hmm. the website most mostly uh make that kind of exclusive to our subscribers uh so we're going to primarily explore the first two articles and we'll touch on the third um because i think I think each article really, um, I think it had its uh, a very good place at the website uh, specifically because they were a related to each other. Um, it was kind of like a part one and part two, and that's kind of what's going to happen with the third and then the fourth article, which we'll talk about a little later. 
Um, but your first article of the year was on the role of minor league age on major league outcomes. And I mean, we've received a good bit of feedback and debate from our subscribers. Uh, some of them weren't really agreeing completely on you and they wanted like even more qualifiers. Uh, but I think that the article didn't need those qualifiers. Um, I, I really felt like those the qualifiers that they wanted um, were unattainable. Yeah, of course, a uh, highly drafted college guy is going to move a lot faster. Um, you know, I saw Andrew Benintendi when he got drafted, and they threw him in low A, and there was no reason for the guy to be in low A. Like, absolutely no reason. Like, uh, next season, he's starting out in double A or triple A, and he's in the big leagues soon after. Like, that, mm-hmm. that's unusual. That's not usually the case, even for some of the college guys, but they usually will get through low A pretty easily. Um, but anyway, um, explain to our listeners what you poured over to arrive at your conclusions. Yeah, so age was um, is something I've kind of been interested in for a while now. I remember kind of having like an aha moment when I was just looking at some uh, leaderboards uh, for a season and like, I just randomly sorted by age and I I saw how many of the youngest guys were like stars now. Like I was looking at like historical data and it was like, oh yeah, Francisco Lindor and Mike Trout and uh, uh, Rugnet Odor who, you know, didn't have the best career, but he was still a pretty solid major leaguer for a while. Um, And then I was like, okay, what happens if I sort from oldest to youngest and the oldest players were guys I had never heard of. So, um, I was like, well, there's something there. And it, it's really, I mean, like the idea that age uh, is a predictor, like the youngest guys, it, it's kind of like common knowledge. Like, you don't, it's, it's nothing really revolutionary um, in any field, really. But like, if you're an 11 year old piano prodigy, then yeah, you're probably really good at uh, playing musical instruments. Um, you can really go down and go through any, any field with that. Um, but I, I was more interested in like how the middle, how ages towards the middle of the, the spectrum fared and like, were there any ways that we could see like where uh, an age starts to indicate uh, uh, worse performance at the major league level or um, worse future outcomes, I should say. Um, so I had always kind of, there's some, there's, so many ways you could really like uh, um, operationalize this analysis. Um, and I'm sure there are um, some more advanced statistical techniques that I'm not uh, totally familiar with that would maybe be uh, more rigorous, but I'm, uh, I don't, I think you can get by with uh, doing something a little bit more basic. Um, and I, I basically decided to do it by level um, just to kind of keep age um, as a constant, like it's it's hard because age is always changing. It's uh, going up every day, so um, it's sort of a moving target. So I thought instead of like trying to look at each player's uh, entire minor league career, um, doing it by like players at a level um, would help kind of give us more actual actionable information um, because in real life, a player can only be at one level at a time. So um, if we have a rubric for uh, 
you know, what age is, is high risk for uh, a certain level, then we can kind of um, factor that into our player evaluations. Um, so that's what I ended up doing. Um, and uh, the three outcomes I decided on um, to look at were whether or not a player reached the major league level, um, whether or not, or uh, how much playing time they averaged uh, in, per age group at the major league level, and then also kind of um, how that uh, how they performed. So I used um, Fangraphs data just because it was um, just the easiest to uh, use for this sort of analysis. It's it's pretty easy to pull up and download data sets from their website. Um, and they also another thing I had to consider was. Um, you know, rehab starts, um, players can make it to the major leagues and uh, debut and even graduate and then um, be demoted back to the minor leagues. And that happens all the time. So I wanted to be able to um, uh, uh, re um, remove minor league seasons uh, for players who had already graduated. Um, and they have a thing where you can, you can select out rookie seasons um, so I kind of like I made another data set with just all the rookie seasons and then I uh, used that to uh, filter out um, those from the minor league samples. Mm -hmm. um, so that that data was uh, particularly uh, it lend itself particularly well for this analysis. Um, so, yeah. So in just kind of going a little bit back a bit on the on the ages. Uh, at our site, you can uh, read his conclusions. Obviously, Doug has his conclusions pu uh, published, but uh, you kind of had the low risk age of AAA being 21 and younger, high risk being 24 and older, uh, AA 20 and younger, low risk, high risk 24 and older, uh, high A low risk 19 and younger, high risk 22 and older. And then single A was 18 and younger and 21 and older, or low A, whatever uh, whatever floats your boat. Everybody has a different term for that uh, division. Um, what I would like to add is, like, uh, we were, uh, Brent and I were, Brent actually assigned me in the baseball forecaster to go through the encyclopedia uh, uh, fan, I guess it's fan analytics. Uh, Fanalytics? I, I don't know. It's supposed to be analytics, oh. but fanalytics. Yeah, fanalytics. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess that's how you pronounce it. But anyway, um, I actually had um, adjusted some of the ages. Uh, there's this part on it, and for those folks that uh, have the forecasters on page 47, uh, minor league level versus age when evaluating minor leaguers. Look at the age of the prospect in relation to the median age of the league he is in. So, like, I had put for low A between 19 and 20. Like, that's basically um, anybody that's older than that really and truly got to kind of throw away um, in, in most cases. What does Doug have? 21 and older. That's pretty much right there. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, for uh, high A, I had around 21 years old is being kind of like the average, you know, you got low risk, mid, middle risk. Um, the high risk people started at 22 and older. There you go again. Uh, looking at double A, I said 22, 24 and older is the high risk. 22 would be 
uh, anybody that's uh, kind of in that middle risk area, um, not truly low risk or whatever. And then for AAA, I had put it at 23. Uh, 24 and older, obviously, is the high risk there. 21 and younger is the low risk. So um, not even looking at the numbers, I was just going off of what I had heard from minor leaguers. So we just – or not minor leaguers, from from um, some scouts. Uh, I asked them, I was like, what is – what is your age, like your last age of when you're considering a, you know, a performance or something? And like, there's always going to be guys in a high risk age group that's going to pop, obviously, um, and become a prospect. But it's it's a lesser percentage choice. Of, and I'm going to be honest, like for this stuff, I think that uh, we might have to insert some of your uh, your numbers into this. Uh, so you might actually be in there. I'm going to suggest that next year. Um, because I think it's well well thought out stuff. Um, uh, so I think you know, kind of going into real world looks, um, I kind of take over this point real quick. This point in the podcast, um, I, I thought of two guys that were older that kind of bucked the trend, and as an evaluator, I kind of ignored them. Uh, number one, it's a long time ago. Uh, I've been doing this since 2010. Um, Evan Gaddis, when he was in low A or single A, was 24 years old. Everything that made Evan Gaddis a ca- catcher one or a catcher two, depending on uh, the size of your league, or you know, when he was DHing, how many how many times he could catch, uh, you know, uh, like he had those attributes at 24, but he was in a league that he shouldn't have been in and he was dominating he spent the whole year there uh yes it's a catcher and maybe it's a special circumstance too if you know the evan gaddis story it's it's pretty amazing Uh, look it up um uh just the dynamic there there's some quotes i think from jeremy hefner who knew him in college and how like just absolutely uh like breathtaking he was but he didn't really take the game seriously and had some extracurricular issues and that kind of thing so, like, that, that's an instance of a guy that kind of bucked the trend. Uh, there's not many Evan Gaddises, but you still got to pay attention when you're scouting or when you're looking at stats. Um, another one is in AA. A 26-year-old had a breakout a few years ago, and that was Jeff McNeil. Uh, Jeff McNeil saw him as a 24-year-old who was a good hitter, and that was about it. Uh, dealt with a lot of injuries in his career, including back injuries and stuff. Uh, through that rehab, kind of came back a stronger guy um, and then was able to take that hit tool with a little more ump in the swing and really start delivering results. Uh, but again, those guys are the um, the rarity. Uh, most of the time when we're when I'm out scouting, the guys I'm checking out are in your categories uh, for low risk guys. Um, and I know that like when you're looking at players too, you're looking at players usually going to be in that low risk to medium risk, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm trying to think of uh, who it was. Um, I'm blanking. <laughs> Yeah, that happens. Yeah, uh, I, I blank pretty much all the time. Uh, uh, listeners know that I um, I just go through periods where I blank names. Um, I just had to think of Diaz again. I was like, who is that catcher again? 
Um, but there's always guys that just kind of get ignored um, that have these breakouts. That's why I try now on on uh, anytime I'm scouting somebody to pick out a sleeper um, from any of the teams I watch. Granted, uh, uh, Angels coverage this week wasn't a great place to find sleepers. Um, I don't know if you've ever really kind of dug into the Angels organization, but uh, it's a mess. It's an absolute mess. Um, so, like, it, it's easier to find a sleeper in an Astro organization or in the Diamondbacks organization. Those 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 uh, um, farm systems that you're a little more familiar with. Um, were you able to think of the name? Yeah, it's, it's good that you mentioned the Angels because I was actually thinking of Logan Ohapi, who um, was uh, drafted in, I think, 2018 um, in a pretty late round. Yeah, he was, he was. in round 23 in 2018. Uh, and then in his, uh, his second season um, in short season A-ball, um, R.I.P., um, he got a lot of scouting attention. Uh, the stat line wasn't um, great, but I remember just hearing a lot of like buzz and I'm like, okay, I'll like, you know, he's, he's pretty young. He, he got moved up um, uh, out of rookie ball. So I'll, I'll uh, pay attention to him. And then um, 2020 happened, he didn't play. And then all of a sudden he had skipped uh, low A and uh, was in high A or single A and then was in high A. Um, and I was kind of on him. He never really seemed to like put it all together. Um, and I should have trusted it because I traded him away. And then he turned out to be um, a great prospect last year uh, and, and was looking really, really great in the majors this season until he unfortunately uh, had to undergo surgery. So um, he's one that I, I've been thinking about recently. It's like, man, if only I had just kind of like trusted the the Phillies trust in him that they were, they were moving in pretty quick. Uh, then I, I probably could have uh, benefited a bit from his uh, ultimate uh, when he would ultimately break out. So. And then I wouldn't yeah. beat yourself too much on that. Uh, beat yourself up on that uh, because it's a catcher. Right. Uh, and they develop in such a crazy way. Um, uh, Yan, uh, Diaz is, is a set is a, it's crazy how he's developed. And like, I still mm -hmm. don't know if he has plate discipline uh, or will build, right. build on to that. But like, uh, you just don't know. They all look different. I saw Shay Langlier's uh, really, really bad for an entire season. And then the pandemic happened. And that includes like 2019, that included um, college and the pros. Like, he didn't look like a huge prospect. Like, he was, it was some, like I knew why he got drafted ninth overall, but also the hit tool was really a question mark. And then he works on stuff at the complex in 2020 uh, and becomes a very, very good prospect all of a sudden overnight. Uh, catchers are kind of like that. So, uh, and, yeah. and that's essentially what kind of happened to Hoppy. He finally kind of got his offensive, uh, um, legs under him uh, to say uh, to to kind of quote a scout that I talked to about him last year, uh, and also like Brent tried to chase him down several times as well. He was a very hard scout until till it was finally 
uh, finally came to light. Um, well, anyway, um, this is probably a perfect time to take a break and hear from Patrick over on Baseball HQ Radio about their latest episode. Hey, Eyes Have It listeners, PD here from the Baseball HQ Radio podcast. This week's pod is another great Friday full edition featuring an expert interview with Tim McLeod from Prospect361.com and the Prospect 361 podcast. Tim's our go-to guy for Japanese and Korean baseball, and we'll be discussing some of his biggest surprises and disappointments, how he targets the waiver wires, the closer go-round, and baseball in the Far East, including this year's arrivals and some possibilities for 2024 and beyond. He'll also have his boons and banes all about the prospects at AA and AAA. Plus, we'll have all the usual great stuff, news analysis with Ray Murphy, and our Baseball HQ commentaries. That's Tim McLeod, available now on this week's Friday Full Edition of the podcast with Fantasy Baseball Intelligence for Winners. It is Baseball HQ Radio, and I sure hope you'll join us. For our listeners who don't tune into Baseball HQ, this is a perfect time to start. Uh, always has great uh, content. A lot of uh, Baseball HQ writers are a part of it. I, I've actually been a part of it. It's both a a guest and I, I filled in one time on the minor minute, uh, minor league minute uh, that usually Rob does, uh, Rob Gordon does. So uh, check out Patrick over at Baseball HQ Radio. You can find that at uh, your favorite podcaster or at the baseballhq.com website. Well, Doug, we're back. Uh, your second article of the year was using batter age to find potential breakouts. Uh, you used the data from your first article and incorporated it into finding potential breakouts. Uh, we'll go down each category and talk through some of the prospects you identified as potential breakouts based on your low risk age um, um, scale. Uh, for AAA, you pick three plot prospects. And of course, two of these prospects are well-known, uh, Tyler uh, Soderstrom and Mason Wynn. Um, would you like to, uh, anything you'd like to say about either of those guys? Um, yeah, I mean, Tyler Soderstrom is is an interesting one for sure. I mean, he actually made AAA last season as a 20-year-old, and I, I had kind of soured on him a little bit last season just because, um, I mean, it was he was playing the Midwest League. It was really cold to, to start, and um, he also, I think he had a wrist injury he was battling. Um, I'll, don't quote me on that. I know he had an injury, but um, not sure exactly what it was. But he still hit. He said he hit for power, um, and uh, the A's uh, still really had a lot of faith in him to move him up to Double A and then uh, on to AAA. So um, yeah, he he was kind of one I I kind of wavered on a bit, and then he uh, kind of came back as as a top yeah. prospect. Um, and Mason Wynn, obviously, he had a, a big showing at the Futures game when he threw that uh, ground. Uh, he uh, fielded that ball and, uh, at short and then threw it to first at like 100 miles an hour or something. Um, and he's, he's kind of had an, uh, uh, an inconsistent uh, minor league career so far, but yes. the Cardinals have kept pushing him. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I just... Um, I think they were they were a little bit more well known than the other guys, so I I, uh, I focused on the other. To, um, yeah, obviously, obviously, yeah. and like Mason Wynn was uh, a guy that had a huge swing change after his low A uh, 
lay it low a i don't want to call it a failure it was a really bad year uh in mm-hmm. low a uh i i think that triple a is very aggressive for him i think not so much for soderstrom uh, i think soderstrom yeah. is who he is gonna be a huge power yeah. guy uh, I think he's better than what he's batting right now, 235 on base, 305. I think he's better than that. Um, but again, uh, you know, age 21 season at uh, AAA, especially for a guy that splits time. Uh, I don't know if he's catching this year or not, but uh, he is. He's uh, splitting mm-hmm. time almost ha- uh, um, half and half a catcher in first base. So, like, there's a lot there, and you can – you know, with the athletics, they need they need bodies. Uh, they need good players. Uh, their best player is their catcher, uh, Shea Langliers, uh, right now, mm-hmm. the regular position player. So um, the first base might be a, a valid outcome for him. Who is your sleeper? Yeah, um, I it's John Kenzie Noel. I think John Kenzie Noel is is good. Yeah, that's okay. Good. Yeah, um, so he's a first base slash outfield slash uh, DH prospect in the Guardians organization. Um, he was someone who I kind of I wrote his name down in uh, when he was in rookie ball, just because the power numbers were really great, the um, strikeout numbers weren't bad, and um, he's been good his minor league career in uh, full season ball. Um, he's continued to hit for power, but his um, hit tool has just been kind of all over the place. Um, he's like flirted with you know, maintaining low strikeout rates and then uh, another level or another year, he'll <laughs> be striking out like 30%. Um, so it's kind of, it's, it's hard to really place him a bit. Like there's, there's just, he's just been inconsistent and um, it's, one of the most consistent things about him has been that the guardians have kept pushing him. Um, and he, he's just been, he's been kind of like a, like a fast rising slow burn where it's, it's like, he's still working through a lot of things, but it's like, it's not like he's falling on his face anywhere. Um, so it's mm-hmm. kind of, it's hard to, it's hard to really know what to make of him. Um, but he does hit for a lot of power and he he's been young for every level he's played at. So um the raw power is huge um and i if he can get to um last season like when he was in double a he was walking over 10 percent of the time and striking out only 23 percent of the time uh, and he hit uh 13 homers and uh, uh 67 games so um that would definitely play in the majors um and i i'm kind of i'm holding out hope um not that he's really you know uh looking like he's like he's not struggling so much that you kind of yeah. uh, you feel comfortable writing him off entirely um and uh it's yeah it's sort of it's his career's been kind of a tease so far and i i think there's more there and i think the guardians do too yeah i i think that they they view him as something more than like what what they viewed bobby bradley it was uh, when when he was coming up uh guy that got considerable buzz and then got to the big leagues and it, it was a struggle. Um, so like, I, I do believe that there's more in, in, in play for him. I know that uh, he had a 38% chase rate last year, which was uh, very concerning. I don't know how he's doing this year with that. Um, 
but he actually made for having such a high chase rate. He he did like was able to kind of salvage on base percentage, and I think that's something that um, bodes well. I think uh, one of the scouting reports I got from him all the way back in 2019, as you said, when he was in the rookie ball, uh, was like he. He knew the pitching was bad, so he took pitches there. Uh, as the pitching's gotten better, it's harder for him to take pitches. Um, uh, I also, you know, one of those things that I heard from a scout, they didn't think he had the killer uh, killer um, instinct back then. Um, so it's interesting to see him get to the point right now, and, and maybe that killer instinct comes on and gets him over the next hump, gets him to the next place. Um, so, you know, always an interesting guy. Uh, let's move on to double a double a 20 or younger guys. Uh, Jackson Chorio was your first guy, obviously not a sleeper. The other non sleepers on this list, uh, Evan Carter, uh, Jason Dominguez, uh, division, uh, de los, de los Santos, who I crushed last week in an article, uh, and Jordan Lawler, uh, all guys that, um, yeah, I mean, even de los Santos is pretty well known. Um, your younger 20 20 years and younger i actually have seen three of these guys so i'm gonna i'm gonna just hop in real quick um and um the three guys that i've seen are uh, david uh calabrese um uh, edgar cuero and jefferson cuero um uh, the guy that i didn't see is owen uh casey um so uh calabrese is a kid that's in double a probably shouldn't be in double a right now uh it's very very much struggling. It's a contact and speed profile. He's striking out a lot more than he probably would in high A. Um, uh, there, there's some. It's just uh, he's up a level too much right now. But it's it's a guy that I was going to write if I have some room in my Angels article this week that I was going to write about as a sleeper, even though he's struggling. Um, this kid absolutely dominated the instructional league. Like uh, he became a legend. Unfortunately, I don't. The Angels are very low on on prospects that aren't catchers, um, that are position prospects. And I've seen them push guys that probably didn't need to be pushed. Uh, and I don't know. I, I don't know if he gets sent down to high A. To be honest with you. Um, uh, but kind of get that out of there. Edgar Edgar Cuero, very impressed with his hit tool. Um, I, I saw him really bad in my live look and then on my video looks, he's been great. Um, uh, but a guy that understands the strike zone, he also understands, um, contact as well. Um, he's a, he's a very tough out. He's not one of those. See, he probably needs to be a little more aggressive at the plate. That's the one thing. And this week I'll be writing a full article on him. Um, so like that will be good a little good preview on that. And then Jefferson Cuero is the other guy in double a, uh, that I have seen that you had outlined. Um, Cuero, I saw in the Arizona fall league, I'll be seeing him in a few weeks when Biloxi comes to town. I think at the end of May, if I'm not a hundred, I'm not a hundred percent. I don't know when it, it's either May or June. I know it's in the first half cause I'm, uh, I got the whole Jackson Chiro, uh, um, date, um, circled. Um, but a guy that it's more of a contact over power type tool at this point. 
And and if you notice, like every every guy that I'm talking about here is contact, contact, contact. Uh, Owen Casey brings some power to the game, right? Yeah, um, it, he does have raw power, but it, um, and he has four home runs on the season. But it is interesting that three of his home runs came in one game uh, back in uh, early April, and then another one. The fourth one was the next day. Um, so I don't. It's it's he's shown power and like he had, like those are fair home runs and he hit them, um, but he's been inconsistent so far, um, mm-hmm. and he only got to eleven home runs uh, last season. So um, I think definitely one of the things to to watch for him this season will be like if he can kind of consistently tap into that game power and um, I think he will eventually, but it might take some time to get there. Um, especially considering his, he's just always struck out a lot, and he's he's definitely doing that so far this season as well. Yeah, I, I did say the whole contact thing. Uh, this guy yeah. hits the ball extremely hard. Uh, last year, his uh, his average launch angle was ten degrees. Uh, so, like you're you know, a guy that that does get some lift. Um, his exit velocity plus a launch angle of uh, um, you know, appropriate launch angle plus uh, 95 miles per hour hit percentage. He's fairly high up there for for a lot of the guys. He was close to 16%. Um, usually in in the lower minors, they're around 14%. So to see him closer to 16%, this is a guy that has a potential to hit for home runs. I mean, he's kind of out there. I think that strikeouts do steal, steal some of that. Um, it, but if you really look at it, it's not like if you look at his numbers, yes, he is a 30 percent. Uh, he had a 30 percent miss rate last year, but in his zone, miss rate is about average. Like uh, he doesn't really chase. Uh, it's 25 percent, which is about average for a minor leaguer um, and for a major leaguer, too. But the thing is, is the balls that he chases, he misses. Like that's that's where. That's where it's it's bad. Um, where other guys are making contact on those on those things. I mean, his zone miss rate was was around nineteen twenty percent, which again doesn't. I mean, back in the day, it wasn't good to be there, but now it's it's kind of acceptable. So, like, there is some some hit tool um, corrections that he could possibly make. Um, all right, next group: high A nineteen or younger. Uh, the guys that you had outlined um, that fit into this, uh, uh, Hendry Mendez and Edwin uh, Arroyo aren't necessarily considered um, sleepers um, for this purpose. But uh, at the time you wrote it, Junior Caminero was a guy that, I mean, I, on Twitter, everybody's arguing that they were first on him. Only Jeff Ponce was first on him in, in media. Um <laughs> And and Jeff listens, I, I think, because uh, he sometimes brings up those points to me. So, um, and I mentioned him almost every episode because he's the one I talk most of, about baseball offline with. Um, but anyway, um, you know that was a big junior. Junior Caminero was his big guy, um, and I get to see him this week, so that's going to be great. Um, have you watched any of the highlights? Seen him play at all? Um, uh, on MILB TV or any of that um, in the last couple of years? Um, I've caught a few highlights this season, but I really haven't watched much of him um, 
to in his minor league career so far. I'm definitely going to try to catch some games coming up soon uh, over MILB TV. The other three sleepers you have, I'm going to let you run them down. Uh, Carter Jensen from the Royals, uh, Jose Serrano from the Reds, and uh, J T J White from the uh, Nationals. What do you got to yeah, say? So, um, Car- Carter Jensen, um, I noticed last season he was 18 in uh, single A, one of the younger players there. Um, he started off uh, not great. It was like he was hitting like 200 through the first couple months, um, just really struggling. And um, But he did show like pretty good on base percentages, um, occasional power. Like he showed that he could hit for power and he has a really strong frame. Um, He's uh, he's already pretty bulked up for his age. Um, And then the second half, it was uh, he was, I think, hitting like 280, 390, um, like flirting with 500 uh, slugging percentage. So I was like kind of all in at that point. Um, I love him as a prospect. Um, uh, And it was great because like the first his first half was so bad that it kind of masked his uh, second out second half performance. Um, and he started off again, uh, kind of struggling a bit, but, um, I think just, the, yeah, just the fact that he's, um, already being pushed so aggressively and he's shown, uh, last year that he could, uh, turn it around and start performing is, um, really encouraging to me. So I love, uh, I love his game. Um, Jose Serrano actually was, um, demoted to, I believe the Arizona complex, uh, for the Reds. Um, so he's, I mean, he's kind of indicative of like, there's always kind of a risk, um, you, when you're looking at age, um, because there'll be a lot of, um, like just guys will get like a, a quick, uh, a brief stint in at a level just for like a defensive replacement or, um, uh, I think that's the most, the, the most common reason. I'm not exactly sure why, um, Jose Serrano was in high A, it might've been that, um, the Reds, uh, change their mind, but um, yeah. So he got he got moved down, but at the very least, it shows that the the Reds felt uh, comfortable putting him in that position without thinking that it would really uh, harm him, at least um, uh, uh, mentally. So it's it's sort of sort of a good sign, but um, I wouldn't be uh, quite jumping on him yet, uh, just based on the age. Uh, and then uh, T.J. White um, is uh, in the national system uh, outfielder. Um, he is he's he's got some raw power. Um, there's definitely uh, some juice there. Um, he he's he's a pretty he's not the most aggressive hitter, but he does fall victim to. Um, he he when he does swing there are some holes um so it's not necessarily that he's swinging a whole lot but it's um he's he's i don't know if he's really if he's fully um perfected you know like mm-hmm. identifying spin and um he's i think he'll be he's got some ways to go uh he's still pretty raw but there are some there are some tools there that are definitely interesting um i don't know I mean, he's he is still he's very young, so there's there's a chance that he could turn it around. But I, I'm not sure if I would really project him to have uh, 
an above average hit tool. I think it yeah. might at best end up being more average, but um, if the power comes around, then um, I think he could still be very productive regardless. Yeah. I, I, I mean, TJ White's a hard scout. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I I'm watching video right now of him because uh, of the guys that uh, you listed. He was the guy I knew the least about, and uh, man, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not necessarily a fan, um, to be honest. Uh, but who knows? Um, oh, these college, these kids uh, um, that were big college recruits that ended up going um, to high school or going to the pros out of high school instead um, are always kind of a curious case. Um, so, um, you know, we'll see how he does. Um, single A, 18 or younger. Um, you've got only two guys that are listed. Uh, uh, Sam Samuel Zavala, who uh, Trevor Huth actually profiled last week on the Tuesday slot uh, on Baseball HQ. Uh, and Cam Collier, uh, who's a guy that I actually saw as a sophomore in high school in 2021. And then in 2022, uh, he reclassified for the draft, went to as a senior, became a senior. Uh, and then he just left school all entirely, got his uh, got his degree and then went to uh, junior college, in the Cape Cod League and got drafted. And uh, I mean, the hit tools amazing. I think the power is going to come, too. So. Like those guys aren't sleepers. Uh, you had four sleepers listed. You want to um, briefly go briefly go over each of them. We have Nelson Rada from the Angels, Samuel Basalo from the Orioles, uh, Anthony Gutierrez from the Rangers, and Rossman Verdugo from the from the Padres. And it, it just could be one little thing or something. Uh, it doesn't have to be a long drawn out um, scouting report. Yeah. Um, yeah. These are definitely the guys I'm least uh, familiar with. I think that's probably true for a lot of people just because yep. it's their okay. first, their first uh, full season uh, debut. So um, yeah, Nelson Rod is the youngest player in uh, minor league baseball. So I think he definitely deserves a mention there. Um, uh, Samuel Basalo is pretty interesting. I think he's of these four, he's probably the one with the most attention at the moment um he's hitting pretty well he's a catcher in uh, the baltimore system uh and uh yeah i think honestly my favorite though might be anthony gutierrez um i am blanking on who had the rangers system uh and it was uh, matthew forecast. matthew matthew yeah he had a pretty glowing report on him so i i kind of i Made I made note of him, and then when I saw he was already in uh, uh, low A, I was I was definitely in on that. Um, he's got five tool potential, so that's that's always exciting. Um, he's playing pretty well so far, so that's good to see. Um, Rosman Verdugo is a, a Padres middle infielder, um, and I he's got he'll be interesting to watch just because like in the complex leagues uh, last year he struck out over. over 35% of the time uh, and he's striking out over 30% again. So I, I think it'll be interesting mm -hmm. to see how his, his season plays out. Obviously the Padres are a very good developmental system. So I, I think I trust their evaluation of them uh, and it'll be interesting to see uh, what they can uh, help him with this season. Padres are Padres take upside over anything else. That's uh, mm -hmm. one of those things. Um, 
And I think they hit on more upside because of it. Uh, because usually upside with, with little finish doesn't really go far. And they seem to always pop a guy or two out of their system every year. That was one of these high risk guys. Um, last year they traded the dude, James Wood. Um, you know, you just never know who that guy's going to be. So, uh, good choices. I, I had some Nelson Rada coverage, uh, for the site last year. Um, uh, you know, speaking to some, co- uh, complex folks, um, um, that were working, um, summer, not the summer league, the instructional league. Uh, he really kind of stood out to them. Um, maybe as the best non Logan O'Hoppy, um, non-catcher, non-Edgar Cuero prospect in the Angels organization uh, for the position player. So he was a guy that um, I obviously uh, wanted to see. And I can't believe he's playing in single A, to be honest with you. Um, again, that goes to the whole Angels thing about when they have talent, they're going to they're gonna push them to the moon, even if they don't, they might not be age appropriate. So Rada mm-hmm. might actually spend the entire season at this level. Um, like there's a really good chance that, and, and if he does better, he might be pushed up to high A and then we <laughs> yeah. might be talking about him next year. Um, yeah. Anyway. I mean, he um, doesn't, He sorry, he doesn't uh, turn 18 until uh, late August too. So he's very, very young. <laughs> yeah. It, it's, it's, it's crazy. Uh, I don't. I, I I think that that organization is um, much better than it was last year at this time. Much better. Mm-hmm. Much much better than it was in 2021. You can see the imprint that their new general manager and their new player to de- the player development folks have had on that organization. But uh, they were left with a lot of with not much talent. Um, the drafts mm-hmm. that the previous regime had were not great whatsoever so they're basically trying to uh make up for lost time and i don't know if um i think that obviously they think these guys like calabrese and double a and uh, rada in single a low a can um aren't gonna get hurt long term but like it's just it, it's surprising i i was like when I saw Calabrese in the lineup the other day, I was like, ooh, like uh he was just getting he was getting dominated by good pitching. Um, mm-hmm. but not so bad where you're like, this guy's lost forever. Um uh, yeah, like he's he's obviously a very talented kid. Um mm-hmm. anyway, um you got a third article debuting tomorrow looking at the role of minor league age on major league outcomes for pitchers. I'll ask you just one question. You don't have to really go in too deep because, of course, we're using this as exclusive to our subscribers. But what was something that you started out thinking would come out one way that actually might have came out another with this article? Um, to be honest, a lot of it was kind of what I was expecting. Um, it's I'll give a small uh, taste or Spoiler is that a lot of the findings are pretty similar for what I found for the hitters. Um, I did find, though, that at the upper levels, um, it seems that older pitchers don't get quite the same um, penalty that older hitters do. So there's there's mm-hmm. a little bit more of a, a uh, I guess, 
yeah, there's just less of a penalty. So um, that was that was definitely a, an interesting finding that I wasn't um, totally anticipating, but it makes sense to me. I thinking like back on like you know some pitchers that have come up a little bit older and and started to dominate. Um, another fun finding that I I didn't put entirely in the article because it was kind of it didn't really need to be there, but um, the outcomes for the low A pitchers were uh, pretty good for the oldest group, which was 24 and up. And I and immediately thought of Jacob deGrom and uh, it turned out to be Jacob deGrom. So there's a little, there's a little bit of a, uh, he kind of skews the results a little bit, but because mm-hmm. he but, just got kind of an older start, but. Yeah. And you're not, you're, you've got exceptions. an older guy who also went through Tommy John. Mm-hmm. Um, like it, it was a perfect storm and like, I, I'll be honest, like I tried to get dirt from, uh, the, uh, assistant athletic director, uh, from Stetson, who is the basketball coach when he was in school. Like I tried to get some dirt and they just told me like, yeah, they always kind of wanted him to pitch, but, uh, he always wanted to be a shortstop until he finally was kind of forced into it. So, mm-hmm. like, he was a guy that could have been discovered. And, and really and truly, if you know the scouting school story, the only two teams that really did their due diligence on him were the Mets and the Giants. Um, and it was all because the um, the scout actually, the scouts for both teams didn't leave the scrimmage. The, you know, um, scrimmages, I, I did one scrimmage a few years ago for a Division One team. Uh, it gets pretty lean. Um, later in the game when the arms are coming in, but here's this kid that naturally was great, you know, and then has developed himself and somehow got incredible velocity from such a skinny uh, frame. He's going to be an outlier in a lot of things. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just what it is. Anyway, uh, we always do this. What's on tap. Uh, You're not an at the ballpark guy. Uh, So, Mm -hmm. Uh, you kind of don't live close to a minor league stadium. So what's your next few articles looking like? Yeah. So um, after the one that's coming out tomorrow, I'm going to do the same thing I did with the batters, which will be just using what I found from the analysis to um, try to pick out some potential uh, sleepers, uh, pitching sleepers um, based on their age compared to level. Um, So I'll I'll break that down in pretty much the same way. after that, I, I want to look at um, using some of the stat cast data that is now available for um, all of AAA last season, uh, the last couple seasons before this season. It was just the, um, I think, was it the Eastern League? It was lo- the... low A, Southeast, or the Florida State. League. Right. Yeah. Um, so now there's a little bit more. I kind of I want to use that to try to. Um, look at barrel rates and um, try to see if I can use that to kind of like predict uh, or try to find like what expected, what uh, based on data for um, players that aren't, uh, that don't have StatCast data publicly available, kind of look at um, what, try to predict what their barrel rates might be. Yeah. Um, And because there's a lot of, a lot of swing data, a lot of um, kind of, ground uh ball and play data i guess you could say that uh can be useful for trying to model that i guess 
So yeah. that'll be something I'm going to try to tackle. And, and, you know, any, any way I can help on that. Um, I, I, I have some sources and some stuff and maybe you can look at some historical data uh, yeah. from those leagues. Unfortunately, um, those leagues have been kind of shut off um, to be elite at this point. Um, mm-hmm. But I would almost venture to say from what I've heard from my sources is that Hawkeye will be coming to double A at some point next season. Um, meaning that we'll probably get these stats from them as well. Um, and then I would assume that high A and low A will follow quickly afterwards. Um, who knows what the automated strike zone will look like. I'm, I'm kind of rooting for the challenge system to come to Major League Baseball. Um, mm-hmm. But they're going to test it, and it's going to be everywhere. Um, it's technology that that is uh costs money obviously but it's easily installable in these uh parks so uh looking forward to that doug um i this week will be in uh rome uh to see bowling green uh, junior camonero is the big prospect carson williams is the big prospect there's Vili- willie vasquez look at this this is all guys who started out as middle infielders and then uh uh, kind of a sleeper guy, Shane Sasaki. Um, there's a few interesting pitchers there as well, but kind of guys that have kind of fallen off because of uh, command issues. So be interesting to see those guys. Then I get to go see Birmingham. Uh, Brian Ramos, uh, the third base prospect, is there, who I saw a bunch last year. Uh, Christian Mina, uh, who was a pop-up pitcher from last year, who's continued to pop up this year. And then Jose Rodriguez, who I kind of slammed last year when I saw him, but supposedly his swing's looking a little better. And, uh, you know, I haven't looked at a stat line, but we'll see if he has improved. Uh, Doug, thank you for uh, joining us this week. Yeah, it's been great. Thanks for having me. Uh, we'll probably try to get you back on later on in, in the year. Um, thank you, everybody, for joining us on this week's Eyes Have It podcast. Brent Hershey will be back to his co-hosting Roll uh, next week. Uh, we're on that every other week um, schedule. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. You can ask us questions at the eyes have it at baseballhq.com. Reach out to me on Twitter. I'm at C underscore blessing. Uh, first time listening to the eyes have it podcast, click subscribe to get our future episodes. Please rank us too uh, and spread the word about us too. Uh, a lot of twos there, but like we're trying to grow this thing. And I see with the analytics every week, we start reaching more and more people with downloads. Uh, having these guests have really helped us out because um, it's given us uh, different looks at different leagues and different ways to look at prospects. So we're going to have some good guests coming up. Uh, talk to one or two folks about two weeks from now. Um, and I will have probably a pretty full slate uh, through the draft, it looks like. So it should be a good group of people coming on. Uh, may everyone have a great week and happy prospecting.